Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 135. Our Sunday worship service for October 6, 2019 is Where Are You? It's the first in the series, Meaning Fulfilled. Meaning gives us connection and location on a spiritual basis beyond space and time. We wake up our sleeping potential when we start to see in terms of infinity. So our scripture today... Luke 17, 21, let's say this one together. Together, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus was talking to people who were expecting to be given directions to a location. If you turn left at the Cracker Barrel, you know. Seriously, though, that was kind of the deal. The the people that... Jesus was talking to had been taught from the beginning of beginnings that the goal was to get to a place. Someday we can get to heaven or someday God's going to show up. There's this idea of distance one way or another. Either we got to get there or wait till your father comes home or something in between. Over and over again, over and over again and over and over again. And when he said that, he had just been asked, okay, where is it? Can you point to where God's house is? Like it's a maps to the stars kind of a scenario. And the longer quote right before that one is, Jesus said, where God lives isn't something you can say, here it is, there it is, something that Jim Cantori can arrive at. It's in your midst. And that's really important because like I said, So many people were looking for some kind of distance, some kind of arrival back then. And if you think about it carefully right now, so much of what passes for for a spiritual relationship, so much of what passes for a loving relationship has to do with distance. Either I'm going to get to the place where God lives or where I'm skinny or whether I'm where I'm worthy of love, let's say, where people approve and accept of me. I'm going to get to this magical place or it's going to show up. And so all of my prayers, whether it's a prayer to God or a prayer to the scale in the bathroom or a prayer to whatever, all of my prayers have to do with distance. But here's the deal. If you have distance in your heart, in your expectation, you are never going to have anything but distance in your life. You can't get there from here. But the good news is there's no getting. And you know that. Because your heart and your life is filled with those when the student is ready, the teacher will appear stories. The stories that we love to tell from Dorothy Gale and the Wizard of Oz to Kaiser Soze and the Usual Suspects, and they are the same story. We'll talk about that some other time. The message that we love is you were there the whole time, you just didn't know it. There's a reason why we love those stories. There's a reason why it's so beautiful that the imperative in the message of Jesus Christ is not to go get or to go be anything other than what you are. The message is to see something that was already there. That's what Jesus brings to the table. That's the deal. See something that's already there. And so in the spirit of that, I'm going to tell you a story you've heard before. Tough. Now, I'm going to tell you this story because I love the story, but I'm going to tell you the story because... There's something I really want you to hear. So if you heard it before, you're going to hear it again. From as long as I can remember, I knew two things 
There's a lot I didn't know, but I knew two things. I knew what I wanted to do with my life. This. And I knew that I wanted to share that life with somebody else. I was a romantic, weird little kid. And listen, I was a child in the 70s. It's not like there was a lot of evidence of healthy monogamy going on around me. Come on. And I wasn't reading Harlequin romances. My tastes are more Spider-Man. But still, I just knew in the way that you can only know those kinds of things, that I was supposed to find this other person, that that's how it went, despite any evidence to the contrary in my life. And so, even at a very, very early age, I was looking for this person, this mystical, magical princess of the fairy tale of my life. Well, that's weird. You know, from like kindergarten on, I'd be writing love poems and making these promises of eternal love, and all I got in return was, not only are you barking up the wrong tree, but you wouldn't know the right tree if it crushed your house. I got my heart broken a lot, but I kept trying because I knew that this was part of the deal. I started college really early, and so all the girls there were too old for me. Hmm. And uh, so my only hope of meeting this mystical and mythical and speech impediment person, (laughs) my only hope of meeting this person was the teen group at church. Church kid, you know? And so every Sunday, I would just use a bottle of gel Oh, man, every beauty product. I didn't care if I was judged by my male friends. I would ask my female friends, what's the secret to clear complexion? How do you do that thing you do? How do you get shiny? I analyzed my outfits with a scrutiny normally reserved for the Zapruder film. Look it up, boys and girls. And I'd show up hopeful every Sunday, and every Sunday I would get my heart handed to me because most of the time there wasn't anybody there. Sometimes there was. Didn't ever work out. Sometimes we'd go out. Mostly we wouldn't. Didn't ever work out. Because here's the secret. Here's why I'm telling you this story again. If you go looking for something, if you try too hard, the only thing you're ever going to connect with is your own ego. When you try too hard, the only thing you connect with is your own ego. And that ain't pretty. And it's exhausting, frankly. Don't act like you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody's got their version of this. But finally, one Sunday morning, I was in the bathroom doing my thing, and I looked past the mountain of self-care products. Far away, there was me in the mirror, and I saw that even as a teenager, I looked tired, you know? And I thought, you know what, whatever this is, I ain't ready for it. I don't know how any of this works, and maybe I should just, like, put on normal clothes and just enjoy myself and maybe learn something at church. What do you know? So I put on some jeans. And that's the day that Jenny walked in to the youth group. Now, that's how it works. Now, if you know me, you know we just celebrated 25 years of marriage. And all of that, you know, she's a patient woman. I think you're clapping for her mostly, but... <laughs> but you know all that. The, the, one of the things I wanted to bring out, other than that ego part we just talked about, was that when she walked in, I knew it. 
But it wasn't like the cherubs sang and the, you know, the music started. It wasn't some Tex Avery cartoon metamorphosis. I had those feelings and I have them now, but that's not the, the punctuating feeling. The punctuating feeling was, oh, there you are. Where you been? The punctuating feeling, and that's how I knew it was real, was, oh, we're here. The table's ready. You know? That's how you know that something is real because it gives you a sense of, oh, we're here. Sense of location. Now, that's my, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear because finally I got ready for something and something happened. What's your story? I bet you got one. I bet if you really think about your life, you've got more than one. And let's expand that even bigger. What are the stories that you like to tell? Think about it. Be the kind of person who collects stories. Be the kind of person who shares stories. Why is it that the stories you tell are the stories you tell? What's the difference between the moments that just pass by and the moments that you pass on? This is interesting. Because when you think about it, if God is here, if we are in the presence of the Most High all the time, if the kingdom of heaven is in your midst, doesn't that mean that every single moment could make a cool story? Doesn't it mean that every single moment is something that can teach you, grow you, make you more than you are now? So why is it that sometimes we see it and sometimes we don't? If we do anything this morning and in the, in the rest of this series, what I want to do is I want us to turn on our brains to that part of us that makes stories, to open our hearts to that part of us that's looking for something. So let's look for it. What are the things that are story-worthy have in common? One of the things they have in common is connection. Ingredient one, Connection. For something to become meaningful, I connect to it in some way, and it connects me to something bigger than myself. So, if you want a life that is bigger, start looking for connections. That's part of it. But connection goes to another place, too. There's another element. Meaning is connection and location. Connection and location. Here's what I mean. Think about the stories that you love. They all could be charted on a map. Think about it. I mean, I remember as a kid loving the way that Indiana Jones traveled by red line across a map. The inside front cover of The Hobbit where there's that map of Middle Earth has burned heavy into my consciousness. But think about it. The stories that you like to tell are the stories of a journey, stories of a place, stories that involve location. We even like to just look at maps. But, for a map to be meaningful, you need a certain something. What do you need for a map to be meaningful? Just think about it for a second. For a map to be meaningful, you need to know where you are on it. Otherwise, it's just a weird picture with some lines on it. If you were blindfolded and dropped into the middle of the wilderness and somebody handed you a map, it wouldn't do you any good until you could figure out where you were on it. The secret to a life that works is knowing where you are. And let me say that the other way around. When you're living a life that doesn't work, you don't know where you are. You ever ask somebody what they're doing for a living when you haven't seen them for a while? You know they're going to give you a terrible answer if they use two magic words. And those words are right now. What are you doing for a living? Well, right now, <laughs> what they're saying is I'm not really here. That's not who I am. And to think about it, how do you describe a job that's not very good? It's a nowhere job. 
a relationship that's not, not very good. It's a nowhere relationship. Don't be a nowhere man. There's a song about that. You know what I mean? So what I'm saying is, it's all about connection and location. It's all about those moments. And think about those moments that have changed your life in one way or another. Those are the moments when God gave you a you are here arrow. You are here. The moments that have changed you are moments of profound location. In a very real way, that question of who am I is so much less important because it's going to work itself out. Who am I is less important than where are you? When you're getting ready to have another argument, when you're getting ready to say that thing to your manager, when you're getting ready to do that same thing that you do every single day, ask you, wait a minute, where am I? Who am I in the presence of? See if that doesn't start to change things for you. Now, I recognize that that's different because we have been taught in religion and in self-help and in every other place that we're supposed to be heading somewhere. People ask you, what's your five-year plan? I don't care. I'm not the enterprise. That was a deep nerd joke right there. And I forgive you for not getting it. but you don't need to have a five-year plan. People tell you that success involves going someplace, but you don't know where you're going to be. You don't know who you're going to be. Where are you now? Once again, it's a map without telling you where you are on it. People use encouragement and they use guilt to try to get you to get up off the couch and move, to try to motivate you to do something. And I want you to think with me about how many self-help books you have read. I, I had my eyes closed because I didn't want to see anybody hold up a hand. It's a lot, isn't it? I bet in this room there's, a, there's millions. I bet watching on the internet there are multitudes of self-help books gathering dust in the corner of tapes and CDs in the car. And they all work a little bit, but they all don't work a lot. Why is that? People have their reasoning. Oh, well, that one didn't work because I didn't like that guy's speaking style. Or that one didn't work because they were just asking for money. Or that one didn't work because I didn't apply myself. Wait a minute. If it was any good, would it be hard to apply yourself? Hmm. I don't think that's why. I think the reason that a lot of self-help stuff doesn't work is because it's trying to tell you to go somewhere when you are already somewhere. So here I am swimming in this beautiful stream of crystal clear water, dying of thirst. Because I'm already somewhere. Here's the not so secret secret to motivational whatever it is. You're already motivated. You already have yearning in your heart. You already want to grow and be free and be loved and love somebody. You already want it. You, you don't need to, to be motivated. You're motivated. Everyone is already on a journey. Everybody's already on a diet. You're eating things, you're on a diet. The trick is not to be something you're not. The trick is to wake up and acknowledge it, to own it, to honor the fact that you are already doing this, that you are already here. Stop trying to go somewhere you're not. That's a lot, so I'll put that another way. Here's the wager. That's right. No, we're going to do this. Don't be scared. Here's the wager. You can either live like life is meaningless or not. And either way, you'll be right. So which is it? Because no matter what you choose, you're going to come up with all kinds of evidence to support your theory. 
But you can't go to it, and you can't run from it. If we're going to do this, we've got to find a different way to define our location. So what locates you? There are those people who find their location by the stuff that they purchase, and you know that, and you can imagine what Jesus would have said by that. But, but you know the deal. There are a lot of people that say, I'm only me if I can show you all of the things that I spend money on or the things that I don't have. I'm defined by my envy of the Bentley or I'm defined by my ability to double park in it, you know? But you know as well as I do that there's lots of miserable people who have a lot of stuff, right? Hmm, that can't be it. I mean, Jesus said, isn't the, the, the body more than, than, isn't life more than the body, I mean? Isn't it about more than, than what you can put in your mouth or what you put on? I'll put that a different way. Do you remember when your indoctrination started in about middle school and they showed you Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Remember that pyramid? And it was like food and shelter and pork chops or what? I don't remember what. Brought to you by the pork chop council. Remember, there was like that thing. And on a certain level, I get it. It makes sense. Everybody needs a roof over their head and everybody needs to eat food and all. I get it. And yet, we have been told that that's the secret to a life that works and it just plain old isn't because you know people that have not only gotten everything on that pyramid of needs, but they have so much that they've dedicated their life to making sure that other people don't have enough of them and they still ain't happy. And you know people that have big gaps where was Jesus on Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Did he have clearly defined shelter and food? You know people that have big gaps in that who are doing good. I'll put that another way. When you have a truly meaningful experience, when you are inspired by beauty and truth, when you fall in love and you know it, when something works, that pyramid topples over and you don't care. You'd stand out in the rain to see somebody you love walk by. You'd skip a meal. Wait a minute. Maybe that's not what it's about at all. And in fact, if we focus on those things that we need and that, that Maslow's hierarchy, I think we miss everything that really makes life worth living. So I'm suggesting to you that maybe we stop worrying about those things. Now, I'm in good company. Jesus wrote a lot about that, talked a lot about that and all that. But what if you stop letting that define you? Fight or flight is what defines an animal. Are you more than that? But let me put that another way. I've got a Roomba. I'm not trying to brag, just how I live my life. It's great. You turn it on in the middle of the night. It makes a lot of noise. It sounds like someone parked a jet in your living room. And it just goes in a straight line, and then it bumps into the wall, and it turns a little bit, and it goes in a straight line, and it bumps into the wall, and it turns a little bit. And that's it. And that's how a lot of people live their lives. Is there more to you than going forward until you meet an obstacle? Is there more to you than, than food and shelter? Is there more to you than the things you need and the things that you're worried about and the things that you're jealous about? Is there more to you? Because I got to tell you, it sucks being a vacuum. And I almost didn't tell you that joke, but I decided I would. <laughs> but think about it. You can buy a device that does the thing that most people punctuate their lives with. There's got to be more. 
And so I put it to you that if we're going to have a different life, we've got to start asking different questions. And so what I'm saying is that secret sauce, the difference between love and something, let's say, physical and egotistical, is meaning. The difference between art and craft is meaning. The difference between the place where people go on Sundays and they just kind of talk about God and that's great and then they have a fight in the parking lot, the difference between that and a church where lives are changed is meaning. The difference between a healthy relationship and one that ain't is meaning. Meaning is defined by connection and location. So what connects you to other people? What tells you where you are? Ask yourself, where are you? Where are you? Think about the stories that you tell. Once again, going back to it, think about the stories that you tell. Why do you tell the stories you tell? What means you? You ever seen a sign that says, this means you? It doesn't just mean this concerns you. The word meaning comes from a lot of different things. The word meaning can mean meaning, what positions you in the universe. The word meaning can be like a man of means. In other words, the ability to get things done. Meaning has all of those things in it. What means you? What are the stories that you tell? Why do you tell the stories that you tell? When you think about the great wins you've had in your life, what did you gain? And when you tell a story of tremendous loss, because we've all got them, what stayed behind? What remained? What can't be taken away? What if we live there? What if God lives there in the thing that can't be taken away from you? What I'm trying to say is if we want a life that works, we've got to stop defining ourselves in the terms of things that can go away because they don't mean anything. You know how I know? Because they're gone and you're here. That's all. Somebody told you that you had to be defined by what other people are trying to get out of you and some direction that you're supposed to go someday and how there are bad people and good people and bad religions and good religions and all of that stuff, and none of it matters. A life that works is defined by what remains. So where are you? What defines you now? You and I stand at the beginning of something very important. The difference between a room and a church. The difference between ground and holy ground. The difference between an innocent bystander and a child of God. Is you saying, here I am. So where are you today? Ask yourself that question this week. And watch what happens. I don't know how it works out. I don't know what God's got for you next. All you need to know is where you are. The rest can come and go. Set it free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening along to the services and being a part of this extended church family. 
I love the idea that it's not something that's bound by a particular physical location, although I want you to know that you're always welcome to come join us. Our street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. It's an amazing thing to be a part of this physical community. But one way or another, I want you to know that you're part of a larger family. And this meaning series that we're working on has to do with finding out what really matters in your life and making a life that matters for everybody. So with that in mind, there's all kinds of things that I want you to know about. There's all kinds of things to try and do that's going to make a difference in your life. And to find out more about the different homework and kind of things that we have going on, please find us on the web at waterandstonechurch.com. That's waterandstonechurch.com, all spelled out. And you can find uh, our address, service times, links to all kinds of things that we're doing, and most importantly, links to find us on all kinds of social media. We'll be posting a lot of movies and things on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe to our newsletter, all of that. The two big important links are, once again, waterandstonechurch.com and at Waterstone Min, M-I-N, at Waterstone Min. That's where we are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So find us in those places. We'll be looking for you.